All right, welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast. Today we've been joined by Austin Rutherford, a serial entrepreneur who has impressively built a $20 million real estate portfolio with hundreds of real estate deals under his belt and a following of over 1 million people on social media. Austin is a true force in the industry. Um, we're eager to hear about his journey and gain insights from his vast experience. Austin, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for joining us. 100%. I'm looking forward to being on here. Absolutely, man. So obviously you are a man of many skills. Let's just kind of <laughs> dial it back to the beginning, though. Like what got you started in real estate and what did that journey look like? Yeah, I mean, my, my original goal was to go to the NBA. So I was trying to be a ball player. And uh, unfortunately, things didn't work out. And, uh, you know, kind of, that was my life. So kind of felt lost at the time. Um, ended up landing with a book called Think and Grow Rich. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. Um, that opened up my mind to, you know, the possibilities of, you know, building wealth outside of, you know, being an athlete. And uh, I was sitting on my rooftop out in Arizona and I was looking at an eight unit apartment building and I just it just clicked. And I was like, if one person owns that building and eight people are paying him, like he's he's got to be making money. And that's kind of what led me down the rabbit hole. And I started buying, you know, little books. And, you know, that's when they used to mail you, you know, packets of stuff in the mail back in the day. Um, so just try to learn everything I could as quickly as possible and, uh, you know, fell in love with the idea of passive residual income, uh, bought a duplex at 20 years old, flipped my first house at 22 years old, uh, raised a quarter million to fund that deal and made a hundred grand in profit and just kind of blew it up ever since then. All right. So we're talking about raising money already. That was super fast. So <laughs> if anybody were to just get started today, um, obviously you were, you mentioned you were 22 years old, you raised a quarter of a million dollars. I know anybody that's 22 years old right now listening, they think that's a baffling amount of money. So we both know it's a little bit different than that, but let's shed some light on that for anybody listening that might be a little bit greener around the years. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I got intrigued with the idea of real estate, obviously, and I hired a mentor and they were teaching me how to flip houses using other people's money. So that's kind of how I got brought into the world of real estate and, uh, you know, started marketing for deals and got a property under contract for $74,000 uh, to purchase. And then it was $170,000 rehab. So it was a quarter million dollars. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely didn't have a quarter million dollars. So I knew it was a good deal because I called a buddy of mine and I asked him if he wanted to walk the house for me to, you know, give me an idea if it was a good deal because he had more experience. Um, and I was like, if I can't raise the money, you know, are you open to buying this from me? You know, I didn't know that was wholesaling at the time. Obviously, I know what that is now. And um, he walked it. He's like, this is a great deal. You know, if you want to if you want to wholesale to me, you know, I'll pay you 10, 20, 30 thousand dollars. But if you can raise the money, it's a great deal. And so now I was like, hey, I got my first deal. How do I raise the money for it? And, uh, you know, called everybody I could think of, um, couldn't raise the money and ended up calling a lady uh, that I met a year prior at another local real estate networking meetup. Um, I was just exchanged numbers at the time. You know, she was trying to get into real estate. I was trying to get into real estate. Uh, so I picked up the phone, gave her a call and I was like, hey, how's how's real estate going? And she was like, well, you know, I'm still looking for my first deal. And she mentioned she had a retirement account that she was going to use to invest a year uh, prior. And I was like, well, you know, I, I got my first deal. You know, is this something you're open to lending on? And she ended up lending on the property um, and funded the deal and, you know, sold it for $375,000 six months later. So it, it came from a prior relationship. I've, I've raised over $20 million and every dollar that I've raised, it wasn't just like, hey, send me a wire. It was built over multiple conversations to get them comfortable with, with lending me the money. Absolutely. So um, this first one that you got, you mentioned that she had mentioned um, <clears throat> potentially lending it out. Did you remember that or did you have like a CRM or something in order to track who is who at that point? 
Yeah, definitely didn't have a CRM back then. Um, you I know, did. just I, I just went as deep as I could into my Rolodex because uh, I knew she said it a, a year prior. Um, so I didn't have it at the time. Now, you know, I have a spreadsheet with everybody's name, phone number, email, um, dollar amount that they have access to. And then just, you know, a couple notes on you know who they are, what they're interested in, what their interests are, because you got to talk about them to get them interested. Um, and, you know, anytime I go to raise money, I have like my go to people. But anytime like they're tapped and I got to go deeper, I go to that spreadsheet um, and just pick up the phone and start dialing. Absolutely. So obviously you went from this first deal and then you've built um, over $20 million of an asset portfolio. So what additional strategies have you added on top of this to raise more money? Yeah. So the biggest question I always get is like, hey, where that sounds great, Austin. Like I want to raise money, too, for my deals. But where do you find that money at? And uh, it's kind of a super simple uh, answer, but it's everywhere, right? And it just comes from building relationships and talking to people. Today, I got a text, two text messages uh, from two different people. It was a lady that currently lends me money now. She was at uh, dinner with her girlfriends last night. Um, and they were just talking about life and everything. And she mentioned to them that she was investing in real estate through me. And now those three people I have a meeting next Tuesday. I'm going to meet with her and her three friends to talk to them about private money lending. And who knows, that could be another hundred thousand. That could be another million dollars of access to money. Um, so it's just putting it out there continuously. Um, you know, a couple examples of the first few people that I met. Uh, the first one was from a local real estate networking event. Um, the second one was from another local real estate networking event. Um, we were sitting there. They stood up and asked a question and was like, hey, you know, if I lend money, to other businesses, does X, Y, and Z happen? And I was like, if they're lending to other businesses, they have to be a private money lender. So you got to understand like the clues about private money. Um, and literally, as soon as that meeting broke, I was the first and only person to go up and introduce myself and ask them if they were a private money lender. Um, they've since lent me millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, another one is a referral from the first lady. Her friend lends me money. Um, another one is my buddy's uncle. I met him at a cookout, a family, his family reunion, um, and then talked to him for two years. Every time I saw him, you know, just kept, you know, throwing in the private money lending for two years. He's lent me millions and millions of dollars. So it's literally just talking to anybody and everybody that I come across. I'm trying to get everybody's money. <laughs> I like the way you phrase that. I'm trying to get everybody's money. And I think that's the most important thing when you're trying to do something like this is just asking. There's actually a lot of people, as you mentioned, your friends, uncle, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of people with 401ks that could be used for something like this. Um, so how do you... I think the biggest thing that, you know, to be able to raise money is not the guys that have, you know, $10 million and live in the McMansions with the Ferraris. Like those people will lend money, yes, but they're going to lend you money and take 50% of the equity and charge you five points of 15%. The best money that you can get access to is people that don't even know private money exists. So when you understand private money and you know how to teach them how to get access to private money, like you said, the biggest way that I borrow is the self-directed retirement accounts. People don't know that that's an option that they can roll their IRAs to self-directedly lend to me. People don't know they can pull a home equity line of credit. People don't know they can have cash value life insurance policy. People don't know that there's other ways to access money. So they're making money on money that they never even had access to in the first place, right? So when you have the confidence and the understanding to go out there and teach those people those things, if you teach them how to make money out of thin air, they're obviously going to trust you. So it, it starts with the education side and truly understanding the, the whole game of private money in the first place. Absolutely, man. So how do you frame the conversation typically when you're you're trying to court somebody in the private money world? 
Yeah. So uh, it's not like, hey, do you have money? Right. It's it's 100 percent relationship based. So when I'm out, uh, you know, talking, networking on airplane, on a train ride uh, at the bar, you know, whatever it is, I always just I talk to everybody. Like if somebody comes within five feet of me, like I'm talking I'm like, hey, how's your day? Like I'm speaking to every single person. Um, like so uh, here's an example. We were on it. I was on an airplane ride from Columbus to South Florida. And I was next to a lady and a gentleman. Didn't know they were together at the time. But I sat down. And every single time I'm on an airplane, most people just sit there and just be quiet. I always talk to the person next to me. And it might be for a minute. It might be for the whole plane ride. And I sat down. They were watching like a golf uh, tournament. I was like, hey, you you play golf? And they're like, yeah, man. No, it was right when um, the merger happened. Uh, or the the uh, Dubai and the, uh, I forget. the What's the golf? Ter- what's the what's the three-letter initial? This is bad. What is PGA? Uh, PGA, right? Yeah. I was was like, oh, you put me on the spot too. I was like, we're both going to miss it. Um (laughs) So right when the merger was happening, I was like, what are your thoughts on the merger? And they're like, oh God, I hate that. It sounds terrible. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know much. You know, I I try to play golf, but I don't know much about it. I was like, why why are you headed to Florida? Like, well, we're going on vacation. I just retired and, you know, we're going down for a few weeks. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Where'd you retire from? And uh, it was Kroger. I was like, that's amazing. Like, how long did you work there for? She's like, well, I was there for 40 years and I just retired. She's like, this is my husband. You know, we're going down for a few weeks. And she's like, oh, that's cool. You know, what do you do? I said, hey, you know, I'm actually a real estate developer and I teach other people how to invest their money into real estate. And she's like, okay, nice, nice. You know, I've always thought about buying real estate, but, you know, never really got into it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, what do you do like with your money now? Like, where's your money at in retirement? She's like, well, you know, I actually cashed out my pension fund um, and cashed out my retirement accounts. And now, you know, I just have money that's sitting there, you know, trying to find a way to earn a return. So I'm listening. She retired. She's on a vacation. She cashed out her pension fund. I was like, this is an opportunity, right? And I don't say like, hey, do you want to lend me the money? I'm like, oh, that's amazing. You know, I teach people just like yourself, like how they can invest in real estate, you know, how they can potentially earn double digit returns. And that sparked her curiosity. And we scheduled a follow up call. She hasn't lent me money yet. I think she inevitably will. Uh, but it's it's just like being curious, getting enough information out of them to then slightly, you know, kind of sort of mention private money. Because uh, if you come in for the hard ass, they're going to say no. But you pitch the idea, get them interested. And then I always schedule a follow up call. Um, to then, you know, really kind of dive into the details at that point. Absolutely, man. It's all about planting seeds. Um, I like what you're talking about, making them curious. Um, When you ask questions, when you ask a lot of questions, it's a lot easier to get somebody engaged in a conversation with you than if you're talking at them all the time, especially if you're like, oh, give me some money. That's a great way to get somebody to tune you out very quickly. But if you're like, oh, have you ever been interested in real estate? Nine out of 10 people are going to say yes to that question almost all the time, like, because um, everybody's interested. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to make money. Everybody's seen a flip show on TV or something. So people are just interested in the concept. Um, so um, let's move on to the next step. So what kind of terms are you getting from these private lending, lending partners? Excuse me. Yeah. So the, the amazing thing about once you teach somebody how to raise money, then they only know what you tell them. Right. So I typically don't ever pay points. I typically don't ever pay monthly interest payments. Um, I always get the deal 100 percent funded day one. So the terms that I usually shoot for is anywhere from like eight, 10, 12 percent interest, um, no points. And then I get 100 percent of the purchase and 100 percent of the renovation funded day one. So it's a hundred thousand dollar purchase, fifty thousand dollar rehab. I'll raise one hundred and fifty grand. And then at closing, I'll get the fifty thousand dollars in my bank account to fund the renovation. Um, and I don't make monthly interest payments. All the interest accrues until the back end of the deal. 
Um, and then they get a note and a mortgage, uh, a personal guarantee, a business guarantee, and then a mortgage on the property. So, um, you know, if, if anybody ever asked me like, hey, you know, I want monthly interest payments. I'm like, that's fine. But instead of 10 percent, I can only pay you 6 percent. They're like, I'll, I'll take the 10 percent. It's all good. Um, so I try to keep as much money in my pocket as possible because they're going to get paid either way. It's just does it come monthly or does it come in one lump sum? So it's not taking anything from them. All it is is helping my cash flow stance. Right. I don't have all that money going out every single month. And one deal, you got to pay a couple grand a month. Like you can you can do that. You do 10 deals at a couple grand a month. Now you're paying 10, 20, 30 thousand dollars a month in interest payments. Uh, it can it can hit you pretty hard. So I just let it accrue and then pay off on the back end. OK, that makes sense. So you typically do like a 12 month term or are you more of a per property type guy? Yeah, so we we borrow it per property, but every time we borrow it per property, it's on a 12 month note with a 90 day extension option um, and then no prepayment penalties. So typically we pay it off in the first three to six months um, and then they just you know get it paid off and then roll it back into the next deal. Uh, we do pay a minimum of 90 days interest. Um, so if we do the deal in like 30 or 60 days, we'll pay them 90 days um, just to make it worth worth their while. All right, man, this has been awesome. Let's transition a bit to the Burr strategy. So actually, before we get into that, um, you mentioned you flipped the first one. So how many flips did you do before you transitioned to Burr? Yeah, so I, I got into the game for passive residual income, right? And so my first house that I purchased at 20 was a duplex. I had about $30,000 saved at the time, and I used that as a down payment, just a tra traditional down payment, you know, no Burr method. And I put all my money into it. I was broke then. And I was like, well, you know, if I want to buy more rental properties, I have to make more money. Right. It took me 20 years to save enough money to buy one house. Like I want to do a lot more than one in the next 20 years. Um, so that's what led me into flipping houses. And then the problem is you start flipping houses and making checks like big checks, like 20,000, 40,000, 60,000, 80,000. Um, it gets addicting and you lose sight of the long term generational wealth, which is rental properties. So when I got into the game, I wanted to get in for passive residual income. But what happened was is 90% of my business was flips or new construction or wholesales. And I did that for about five years. Um, I flipped hundreds of houses, wholesaled hundreds of houses, built, I don't know, 20, 25 houses. Um, it was just you know chasing money, right? I was chasing this endless number that continued forever. Um, and at the time, I probably had maybe 15-ish rentals, give or take. Um, and I got a call from my buddy. Uh, him and I started real estate at the same time. And when he started, he was 90% rentals, the Burr method. And I was 90% flips at the beginning. And at the beginning, I had way more money than he did because I was flipping money, making cash today. And then five years into the game, I got a call from him. We're good friends. He was in my wedding. And uh, he was like, yo, bro, I just refinanced 30 of my houses. 30 of his 150 houses, by the way. And I was like, oh, what'd that look like? And he was like, well, I paid off 10 of them. So 10 of them are free and clear. I re-leveraged the other 20. So just that alone, he's making $10,000, $15,000 a month net cash flow. And on top of that, I pulled out a million dollars in tax-free income. I was like, huh? And he said it again. And I was like, okay, this has got to change. So the next day I went into my office and inverted the business. So it went from 90% flips and 10% rentals to 10% flips and 90% rentals. And then from that point, that's really when the portfolio started taking off. Absolutely. We will get into that, but I'd love to learn what you learned along that, that the whole journey of all the wholesales, all the flips and all that fun stuff, because you deal with a lot of headaches in that game. Um, sure. First off, um, if you had to choose one strategy, wholesale versus flip, 
gun to your head, man. Which one do you choose? So for me, it was always flipping houses because I, I had the access to the capital. So I would rather flip a house and make 50 than wholesale it and make 10 or 15. You know, I, I was never at a time because the thing with like wholesaling is like fast money. But once you build a pipeline of flips, it's like fast money because the first like three months are slow because you don't sell anything. But if you buy a deal a week for three months, then every week after that, you're selling a deal a week. So it's just like wholesaling. You just have to build a small pipeline beforehand. Absolutely. You need that three to six month run up, depending on how good your crews are. And then you've just pretty much, yeah, <laughs> depending on how good your crews are. So that's, it's that funny. Cool. I asked the question because I, I, I change my mind on it all the time because it's wonderful to get a phone call. And it's like, oh, I got this house for sale. And it's like, oh yeah, we could do that price. Then you just call somebody else. And it's like, boom, 20 grand. That was amazing. That's yeah. a lot of fun. But also, it sucks when you do that and then the market goes up 10% and the, the guy you flipped the deal to made an extra 40 grand. And it's like, wow, I already left 60 on the table for him. It's like, that could have been a great hold or mm -hmm. not a hold, but even a flip. Uh, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just like, ah, as you did, you, you could just do both. You just kind of cherry pick your flips and you get rid of the, all the other ones. Um, for sure. Cool, man. So let's talk about this This. Epiphany. Well, actually, no. Let's let's talk about the flips. Like, what are the biggest learning curves that you did when you're when you're crushing all these units? Yeah, I uh, I think the by far the biggest thing is understanding construction and and you know managing the contractors appropriately. You know, I I did that very well early on. We call it the five critical documents. So it's an independent contractor agreement, scope of work, a draw schedule, a lien release, and a W nine. So every contractor that got hired, we had those five critical documents in place. I did that for many, many, many years and didn't run into like any huge headaches. You know, every project has headaches, but no like big ones. And then I got comfortable and I had a general contractor and it was when I was doing new construction and getting into the multifamily space. And essentially I, I got comfortable. I basically gave them checkbook control. So typically I would get an estimate, you know, this project's going to cost $90,000 and it'd be $90,000 because that's their cost. And for whatever reason, got comfortable and I did a cost plus. So that means it's whatever their cost is plus their fee, right? So that means their cost could be 30 or their cost could be 50, right? Because cost plus means that they can literally call somebody from the yellow pages and pay it because it's cost plus. And I didn't check the books for like a few months and a bunch of projects got way behind. I paid like, I don't even remember the number, but it was like 50 grand to frame an existing house. You can pay half that to frame an entirely new house. And I was like, mm -hmm. what is going on here? And I look back at it and essentially I ended up losing hundreds of thousands of dollars um, of opportunity cost. I didn't lose it because I still own the assets, but it's money that could have been in my pocket still. Uh, so that was a huge lesson learned. You know, definitely be very, very uh, cautious doing a cost plus. I, I do not do it now. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I'll never do it again. Um, and then never pay contractors ahead of time because they typically never come back. No kidding, man. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. So let's talk about the transition into Bird then. So obviously you had a good foundation. You know how to find properties cheap because you were wholesaling and you know how to flip them already. So you had a great start. Yeah. But I'm sure you still ran into some challenges or was it a seamless transition for you? No, there's definitely some. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the biggest, honestly, the biggest thing is the mental barrier. Because when you're wholesaling and flipping, you know, you're making 10, 20, $50,000 today or, or in the very near future, right? When you're doing the burr on a property, you're making $200 a month. So you're giving up essentially $40,000 today for $200 a month, 
Like, it's a very hard mental barrier to get past. And that's where most people don't do it because they want the money today. The problem is, let's say that's on a $175,000 house, right? The problem is that $175,000 house over the next 25-ish years, you'll end up making over $500,000 on that same house if you hold it long term, right? So the definition of uh, uh, delayed gratification is giving up the present value for a greater future value. Right. So most people don't see that end goal in mind. And another big thing is they don't understand the tax benefits of it. You know, when I was flipping heavy, I had a lot of profit at the end of the year and I paid a lot of taxes, on it. which if I know if I knew then what I know now, I would have bought a lot of rentals along the process and still had the net same positive income to me at the end of the day. But I would have owned a lot more rental property. So instead of making 500 grand and paying one hundred seventy thousand dollars in taxes, which I only net about three hundred. I would have netted 300 and bought a ton of rental properties to essentially pay zero dollars in taxes. So either way, I have the same amount of money at the end of the year, but I have a whole bunch of houses to go along with it. So, you know, there's it was it's the mental barrier for me. It's getting past the the big money today for, quote unquote, a little bit of money going forward. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go and most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And what would you recommend to anybody that's facing the same mental barrier? Would you just say, go through it because you're going to get through it eventually? Or or I'm just curious. Yeah. So when I made that pivot, I had a team. I had a marketing overhead. I had a a rent. I had, you know, payroll. I had all those things. So you can't just be like, I'm done flipping because you don't have any money to operate the business. So what I did is I figured out what, what my monthly expenses were. And let's say, including my, my salary, this is a big thing people forget. You got to pay yourself enough to live on. I'm not saying like ball out, but just pay enough to live on. And so whatever that number is, your sales, your marketing, your expenses, your commissions, let's say it's $30,000 a month, including yourself, including your own salary. So add ten dollars or $20,000 to that so you can make a profit at the end of the year, right? So let's say $50,000 is that number. So you can cover all your expenses and you can profit about a quarter million dollars at the end of the year, right? So the first $50,000 that comes in every single month between flipping and wholesaling, flip and wholesale. Go make your $50,000 so you can continue to operate and run a business. And then everything past that, 
keep it as a rental property. Because what I did is I chased a number that never ended. And I made 50 in a month and then 100 in a month and then 200 in a month and then 300 in a month. And the problem is that will literally go on forever, right? So I didn't need $200,000 a month coming in. What I needed was 50 or 70,000 a month and then kept three, five, seven deals a month as rental properties. My portfolio would be two to three times the size it is today. Okay. And then how long was the run up there? How long did it take for you to be able to transition um, in that regard? Yeah. I mean, I, literally that the next day was the transition. I got that call from my buddy and the next day we changed the business model. So I stayed up that night to figure out like how I was going to do it. And I went into the next day, went to the team and I was like, look guys, like here's the change. It honestly doesn't change anything for you guys because if a deal's a deal, I can flip it. I can wholesale it. I can keep it as a rental. Like you just keep getting the deals. I'm just going to have a different exit strategy. And there was like slight variation to the um, cash flow. That's the only other thing they had to look at. Um, and literally, it was the next day we changed the business model. That makes sense. I mean, when you get a call from your friend like that, and he's like, oh, I just refinanced, paid off 10 houses, got a million bucks. It's a good way to push in the right direction, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it like so a million dollars of refinance proceeds is non-taxable. So it's essentially like making a million and a half dollars because you got to pay, you know, a, quarter, a third of it in taxes. So essentially he made a million and a half on one swipe. At that time, I never even made a million dollars in a year. And he did it in like the snap of a finger, one signature on a line, boom. And he made 10 to 15,000 a month net proceeds, cash flow, and a million tax free. I was like, I haven't done any of that, none of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to change the game. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, this would be a dumb question. It's like, Austin, do you think you made the right decision? I mean, <laughs> obviously you did. Look at what you're sitting on now, man. Um, so cool. Um, thank you so much for talking us through private money and Burr. I would love to transition into your social media following, man, because you mentioned you have 1 million followers across platforms. How did that start? Like, where did that, um, that's something you do intentionally, I assume. It's not something you fall into. So like, why did you start doing that? What was the goal there? Yeah, I mean, very early on, one of my mentors um, just kept pushing me to to make a social media brand. Now, he's like, social media, social media, social media. For years, I was like, I don't need social media. And uh, finally, one day I was like, all right, I'm going to start building a brand. And it started with just trying to add value to other people. So it was a lot of Facebook at the time, a little bit of Instagram at the time. Um, and I was just making videos to show people, you know, how to do real estate, you know, walkthroughs, um, case studies looking over the numbers and, you know, just did it to help people. And then, you know, as I continue to do that, people started sending me deals. And then I started coaching people. And I was like, hold on, I can make money from this? This is crazy. Like I post for free on social media and I can make money off of it. And then it became a very intentional business. You know, we track KPIs, like it's, it's a full blown business at this point, um, just the social media. So I realized that I can make money and then I went even heavier on it, you know, to produce the right type of content, hired an internal team, a videographer, an editing team um, to go out there and continuously build the brand bigger. All right, man. If you're open to it, I'd love to discuss these KPIs. So what do you what do you do? Like, do you have a daily content schedule or what does that look like? Yeah, so we we post across all the platforms. Um, so in, so we call them shorts, shorts, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, TikToks, Facebook reels. Those are all one thing to us. So we just call them shorts. Um, so we post at least one on every platform every single day. Um, try to post two or three, but minimum one a day. 
Um, and then on the stories I post, and this is Instagram stories that also goes to Facebook uh, stories. Um, I post anywhere from like 10 to 15 times a day um, on the stories. Um, and then on YouTube, uh, we used to post two or three times a week. We're doing one a week. We're trying to get it back up to two. Um, but that's kind of like the, the content schedule. Um, and then some of the big KPIs that we track, number one is revenue. It's like how much revenue is in the door? Because I, I say eyeballs is currency. The more eyeballs I can get, the more money I can figure out how to make. So, so that's always like top line. If I can blow up on social and drive eyeballs, I can figure out how to make money on it. So revenue is a driver. Um, two is uh, view, not views, um, profile views uh, to followers. So, you know, if a thousand people see my page this week, how many of those are converting into followers, right? We always shoot for 20% plus. So if a thousand people come, I want to get 200 new followers that week. If 10,000 people come, I want to get 2,000 additional new followers that week. Um, so we look at that. Um, and then on YouTube, uh, click-through rate and view duration um, are, are important numbers as well. So just like Mr. Beast, man, those are the two things he always talks about. Um, I'd love to talk about this 20% number because how do you improve that? Um, what do you do to optimize a profile to get up to 20% actually following you? Yes, given given better content, right? You know, everything comes down to the hook. And, the, you know, most people just kind of willy nilly the content. And that's what I did at the beginning. But the hook is absolutely so important. So social media and you, like Instagram and TikTok and stuff, Facebook is different than YouTube because YouTube, the click through is really the thumbnail and the title. So you should spend a lot. of, And I'm still trying to figure out YouTube. That's that's the hardest platform that I've tried to build on. But the, the thumbnail and the title is extremely, extremely important because that's what gets people to click. And then once people click, it's the hook. It's how do you get them to stay? So that part is the same as Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. The hook is what gets people to stay just on YouTube. There's one extra step because of the click through rate. Um, so, you know, outside of click through, the hook is extremely important. Um, and then the view duration, the longer people stay, the more it pushes, the more your profile pushes out uh, to more people. And then that's how you get more eyeballs. And then once they hit your page, it has to be appealing. So like on Instagram, you can pin a couple uh, posts to the top of your page. Um, so that should be something along who you are, what type of products you offer, maybe a little bit about your story. Um, right now I have two things pinned. Um, it's an event that I'm doing next week. So I'm, as, if anybody, anybody who comes, I'm trying to let them see that. And then it's also my story, like how I went from broke to millionaire. So people can relate to me. So those are the two things that are pinned. So those are important. And then um, your, uh, like your profile. So you want to hook people in on, on curiosity at the top. You know, don't just say like, oh, um, you know, lives in Columbus, Ohio and likes basketball. Like, OK, what does that mean? So mine's like, you know, owns a 20 million dollar portfolio, raised over 20 million dollars in private money. You want to learn how? Click the link below. So it's like, man, I want to own 20 million dollars in real estate. Click. Right. Um, so you got to find a way to create uh, curiosity and be interesting on that profile. So then people want to stay and want to follow you for more. All right. So if everything is is rooted in the hook. Not to put you on the spot, man, but if if you had to come up with a couple hooks, like what what is a good hook um, template, so to speak? Um, so give give me like a, an idea of a video, and then I'll, I'll I'll like script one, just like any sort of idea. Like, hey, we're going okay. blank. All right. So let's just roll with this because this is real life. Um, I was just at an REO today. We did a cash for keys. Um, yep. We're listing the property. It's like, what would you do there? I just gave this guy cash for his keys. What yep. would you do with that video? So you got somebody, you paid him to get out and then you're listing it for sale, right? Yeah, it's, as an REO. So it's a foreclosure. Um, so he was a tenant. Yeah. It, it, it would depend on how much engagement you're looking to get. 
And if you want to go really heavy, and this would also bring a lot of negativity, right? The more engagement you get, typically the more negativity that comes with it. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, say something around like a squatter, you know, like, hey, how I got the squatter out of this house. And if it's your house that you're selling, you know, how I got a squatter out and I'm going to make $40,000. Or if it's something you're doing for, or maybe tied into like your commission if you're listing it. I don't know what it is. Um, but like people are like, oh, squatter. That's like a, a, a tough word. People are like, wait a minute, who, what's going on? And then you hook it with how I'm going to make X amount of dollars in 30 days or whatever it is. So that would be my hook. But the problem is most people go out there and they're like, well, you know, I'm at this house. It's a, it's an REO and, uh, you know, we're going to list it next week and, you know, hopefully make a little bit of money. Like people already swipe to the next. So it's how do you, how do you create the curiosity on the front end? So just off the top, that's what I would do. <laughs> Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. People love drama. Um, like, it's easy to predict how some things will do, like along those exact lines. Like just a couple of weeks ago, I posted a picture of a door that was kicked in. And I was like, oh, just another day on the south side, um, Chicago, right? It's, <laughs> it's literally pretty normal down there. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like 20 minutes later, 30 comments, like 100 dislikes or whatever the hell the, the wow faces are. And it's just yeah. like somebody was just like, oh, you know, it's not like that every day. I'm like, yeah, but I know people like drama. So um, I leaned into it because it was just so, so cool. easy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just thought I thought of another one too, and it's like um, you know, let's say you paid him a thousand dollars and you want to make ten grand on it. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. would you? I, how I just paid a thousand dollars to make ten thousand dollars? How? Like, I, I want a ten. Everybody wants a ten x on their money. So again, it's just it's the curiosity on the front end. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Austin. We've been talking strategy this whole hour. Um, like, what are you up to now? Obviously, you have this large social media following. You have a large portfolio. You probably don't have to work anymore, but I anticipate that you're still working a whole lot. For sure. So uh, there's kind of like three things right now. Number one is we're, we're buying very heavily on the real estate side. So buying a ton of single families. I just bought my first warehouse, 16,000 square feet uh, a few months ago. So um, that's for lease right now, trying to get that stabilized. Uh, so hopefully, you know, buy some more of those. Uh, we're in talks on a 60,000 square foot building, fingers crossed. Um, so buy more real estate, buy bigger real estate, continue building the portfolio. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, build the brand. Like I said, eyeballs uh, is is a currency. Um, so how can we get more eyeballs? You know, that can be anything from coaching students to raising private money to deal flow to joint ventures to uh, self-storage. You know, the, the warehouse that I got came from social media. So like if, if you can bring more people that know who you are, Austin Rutherford, I promise you, you will make more money. So drive that very heavily. Eyeballs is currency. And then eyeballs is the top. And then, you know, funnel them into, you know, different programs, different, uh, you know, funnels. Um, and then the third thing is I have a government funding business um, and continue to to grow that, you know, as well. And that, that's where a lot of the influx of cash is coming in, where I have to buy real estate to offset the taxes that we talked about earlier. All right. Well, that opens up a ton more questions, man. So first off, let, let's talk about this commercial place you're um, or the more the warehouses and the commercial endeavors you're leaning into now. Um, yeah. A friend of mine is. He told me this March or something, he's like, I'm going to get a million dollar or a million square footage. That's my career goal. And he's at like eight million now. Um, the dude just keeps buying stuff. <laughs> he yeah. texted me yesterday. He's like, dude, I'm buying eight more. Um, <laughs> it's like, how many square feet? He's like 200,000, 29 acres. He's like, I need to find the money. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but we're going to do it. <laughs> um, and it's just like, I just love hanging out with people that with that type of energy. It's like when yeah. I get texts like that, it just wakes me up and it makes me want to work and People like you, people like him, they're always looking for the next thing. Um, so why, why are you leaning into commercial now? 
guess my yeah. long-winded question. Yeah, yeah. so I've, the vast majority of my portfolio is single family and duplexes. I own an eight unit, two sixes, and now this warehouse. So I've been trying to get into bigger stuff. And this opportunity just kind of, you know, came in, you know, somebody from social media had the deal, called me like, hey, this is the opportunity. I looked at it. And uh, you've all like, I've always heard like, you know, the great thing right nowadays is flex space is warehouse. So I was like, oh, cool. Like this kind of makes sense. Um, so I ran the numbers and I, I didn't know anything about warehouse. And when you do warehouse, there's something called triple net leases. I didn't know that at the time. So when I ran the numbers, I ran it as if it was a single family house, which means, you know, it's going to make, you know, let's call it $10,000 a month is the rent. I ran it as if I was paying the taxes. I was paying the insurance. I was paying the maintenance. I was paying the utility bills. I was paying to cut the grass. I was paying to shovel the snow. I ran as if I was doing all those things and the deal still made sense. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I raised the money, 100% private money, funded the purchase and the rehab of the deal, got it uh, renovated. Now we're trying to lease it out. And as I went through that process, started talking to more people and brokers and people that were going to help me find a tenant for it. They're like, yeah, you know, base rent plus nets. I was like, what? You got it. Like, I'm the single family. You got to explain what that means. And they're like, well, base rent, 10000 a month. And then you add the nets to it, which means you add back the property taxes, you add back the insurance, you add back the maintenance, you add back the utilities, you add back the, the snow plowing, you add back the cutting the grass. So they don't pay 10000 a month, they pay 13000 a month or whatever the number is. So all the expenses that I had get added back. So my value of 900000 ARV of $900,000 turned into an ARV of $1.4 million because of that mass influx of additional income that I didn't think I was going to have. And I was like, wow, you can have one tenant on a five-year lease with automatic rent bumps every year that pays and takes care of everything and does their own improvements. I was like, what? This is crazy. And it's it's intriguing. So we're trying to go heavier on it. You know, my goal right now is 100,000 square feet of warehouse space. So after we hit that, then we'll go for a million. <laughs> You'll see, man. It might grow a lot faster than you think, especially when you're getting an extra 500 grand out of nowhere like that. That must have been a happy surprise, right? Um, 100%. Awesome. So, <laughs> all right, man. So I got to get into this eyeballs as currency thing. Um, so, how long has that been the motto for that? And then what is your targeted way to get currency from the eyeballs? Do you do more coaching or do you prefer to get deals sent your way? Uh, yeah. So um, how long has eyeballs been currency? I've been going serious at social media for two and a half to three ish years now. Um, it's been spending a lot of time, energy and effort. I actually shot today, you know, shot a ton of content. Uh, my, my videographer left at like four o'clock today. So um, making it purposeful and shooting content. Um, and then, you know, so top, top of the funnel is like social media, you know, people see you, people follow you, and then you got to get them like in your, um, uh, in your sphere, right? So there's a saying that's like, if you're not collecting data on social media, you're only posting for a hobby because social media can turn you off tomorrow, right? You know, I've got banned on TikTok. I couldn't post for a week because I made a video. I just, I don't even know why I got banned, but they banned that and then banned my page for a week, right? So that was like, oh, wow, like this can turn me off like tomorrow. So you have to be extracting data. So what that looks like is free webinars, free meetups, speaking on stages, free giveaways, contract giveaways, ebook giveaways, $1 contracts, $1 ebooks, free plus shipping on books. Like there's so many ways to like give value to people for very little to no cost. And then in exchange, you get their information. So you get their name, their email and their phone number. 
So you can then go back out and target to those people. So however people come in, they come into a drip campaign based on how they came in. And they also come into a text messaging campaign based on how they came in. So they're coming through that. And the goal is to get them upsold into a product of some sort. You know, that could be a, a private money lending course. That could be a, a Elevate coaching course. That could be an Elevate family pro yearly mastermind. That could be a two day mastermind, you know, in Columbus that we're doing next week. Like it can be a variety of different things. But once they're in your sphere of influence and you can email them and text them, like life becomes, gets a lot easier. So, for example, I got a deal. I had a, a, an issue at one point. I had access to a lot of private money and I've rarely ever like run out of money based on deal flow. And I had about four million dollars on the street and I had a, like four more deals that popped up. And I was like, oh, my God. and they all had to close like in a week. I was like, oh, gosh, like I don't know where I'm going to get this money from. So I went to my email list. And I sent an email out and it wasn't just like, hey, I need a million dollars. You know, I crafted a message. I, I told a story, right? It's telling stories. Um, I told a story and then got people messaging me back saying, yes, I'm interested. And probably got 40, 50 emails back with people interested in lending me money. Started getting on the phone and talking to these people, got all of those deals funded and had an extra million dollars that I had access to based on those phone conversations just off of one email. Right. So when you can do that, you can have the ability to go out and raise, you know, a million, two million dollars off of an email. That's the importance of collecting the data on the front end. Um, and to your last question, we do sell programs. We do make money from coaching and affiliates and all those things. But one of the biggest things that ways that we monetize it in the pro and what most people miss out on because they're like, hey, I'm not making money with the, with my content. You know, I'm paying a videographer, I'm paying an editor, but I'm not making money. But they forget that they're buying a deal every month that they're making $40,000 on because somebody found them off of social media that went out and found a deal from wholesaling and then sent it to me to buy. And I bought it and I made $40,000 in profit. So we get massive deal flow from social media, but it's so hard to quantify that, you know, money out versus money in. And that's why a lot of people don't build a brand. Yeah, no question, man. I love how you, you have a defined path for people. You're like, we give this person a free webinar. We're going to point them in this direction. So do you have a very clear defined path? If somebody gets a webinar for, like you said, the private money course, your goal is to get them to buy the private money course, I'm assuming. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So yes, you know, a lot of the giveaways go to like a course, uh, private money. You know, I've, I've had, you know, great success doing it. It's what a lot of people struggle with. And I think that's one of the single uh, biggest the dividers between people that, you know, make a little bit of money in real estate and people that make real get rich or get wealthy in real estate is having access to capital to build wealth through ownership. Um, so I think that's huge for a lot of people and a lot of people struggle with it. Um, so get people there and then get people into the Elevate Coaching, which is the, our you know real estate coaching program, and then get people into the Elevate Family, which is our high level mastermind. So that's kind of the, the you know, stair step process. All right, man. Very cool. Um, so Austin, this is my favorite question to ask, man. If you had a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes full of cash flow, what would you be doing with your time, man? Billion dollars in the bank. Um, so I just got married a few months ago and went on a honeymoon for a month, uh, 24 days. And, you know, towards the end of that, I was I was itching to get back to it. And, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you know, there, there's never a time where you can just stop for like forever. Mm -hmm. uh, at least I haven't found that time yet. Um, so even if I had all that, you know, I would probably still have a business of some sort, um, but it would probably be geared in a way to give back and help others at the same time. Because um, like everybody wants to make money. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. Like I'm, I'm here to make money to, you know, uh, to afford myself and my family the life that we want. 
but one of the most fulfilling things that I can get is helping people as well. So getting a text message like, yo, I just bought my first deal or I just quit or I just retired my parents or whatever that is. And I was mm-hmm. able to help them get there. Um, it's extremely rewarding. So I would definitely still be making money and I would be helping a lot of people make a lot of money along the way as well. Absolutely, man. I was expecting precisely that answer, man. <laughs> Obviously, you're, you're, you're a big fan of helping people. So if anybody were listening right now and they wanted to get in touch with Mr. Austin Rutherford, what would be the best way for them to do so? Uh, yeah. So Instagram at Austin Rutherford official. Um, I respond to everybody, every DM that comes out. So shoot me a message. Um, I'm on TikTok, Facebook and YouTube as well. But um, Instagram is where you'll get a response out of me. Um, and if you want to learn you know, how to raise money and how to uh, do the Burr method, and build wealth uh, through real estate, if you go to howtogetfreehouses.com, howtogetfreehouses.com. You can grab a copy of my book called Get Free Houses. It's building wealth using other people's money. All right, Austin. Thank you once again. Um, thank you once again for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and get this free book. Start talking to people you know. Tell them that they could possibly roll their money over from the Roth IRA. And before you know it, you too could be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 